Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Welcome back to Horizon West Church in person. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but it was six months ago tomorrow uh, that we had to make the decision to suspend uh, in-person gatherings. And so it's fitting that that time period would lead us to this point where we are able to be in person uh, again together. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online. And I want to encourage you to continue to participate, continue to comment, and uh, be part of what God is doing here uh, even as you watch online today. Um, this is exciting. We, uh, we talked earlier today with some of the volunteers and just said, what is a word uh, that kind of captures what you're feeling in this moment? And we heard all kinds of things, but a lot of them kind of pointed to the fact that we're just ready to be here. We're just ready to see what God has in store for us. We're ready for what God has for us next. Now, you might remember if you were with us at the beginning of the year uh, that I had a word for this year, and I promise it's not my fault but God gave me the word disrupt. <laughs> that was my word for 2020. I actually feel kind of vindicated like I'm hearing from the Lord. The first time I ever preached at our John Young campus, I made the mistake of saying that I chose my word for the year, and, and then I said what the word was. First time I had ever preached uh, at John Young, and I got an anonymous card in the mail with somebody rebuking me for not hearing from the Lord. I shouldn't have chosen my word. He should have given it to me. So I, I learned to choose my words carefully. Well, I'm pretty sure God gave me the word disrupt, and uh, it has been a fitting word for this year. What I want to do today, you guys, in addition to just soak in this moment and celebrate what God is doing at Horizon West Church, is to lean into this disruptive season that God has us in. I don't mean disruptive in negative ways, although there has been negative disruption, hasn't there? But I also believe that there has been and will continue to be some incredibly positive disruption that's going to take place in us and through us. In fact, what I said earlier in the year was this. Sometimes before God can positively disrupt the world through us, he has to disrupt our world within. Anybody had that happen this year? <laughs> right? We've been through a lot, and so what we're going to do today, and, and we're actually wrapping up a series because uh, the series that we've been in the last few weeks is called Brand New. Brand new direction, brand new heart, and today, brand new world. What does it look like to live in a brand new world that God is cultivating, where the kingdom of God is advancing and bursting forth into our landscape? And so today, we're going to look at a few people, a few men, who leaned into the disruptive work that God was doing in their day. And I want to learn three lessons that these guys teach us about what to do when God begins to disrupt. If you got a Bible, you can go to Acts chapter 11 with me. Those of you joining us online, do the same. Um, and I'm going to read for you Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. This is what it says. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Guys, I love this. 
Because when the church was being scattered because of persecution, when the church had their 2020, okay, this is a new uh, noun that we're going to use to describe things, right? This is, it's, it's their 2020. When they had their 2020, they got scattered, they were being persecuted, and by the way, their persecution looked like prison and lashings and confiscation of property and even death. What did these believers do? Well, I'll tell you what they didn't do. They didn't become discouraged and give up on the Christian life. You know, develop an Eeyore complex. You know, oh, it's just nobody likes me. You know, just kind of, they didn't do that. Uh, They also didn't write best-selling books about their experience, right? Nothing wrong with writing books. But that wasn't their first move. And they, they didn't complain that the government was treating them poorly, right? What they did instead was found new fields in which to sow the good news of Jesus. When things got rocky, when things got rough, when things got disruptive, they opened their eyes and they said, Lord, what do you have for us in this new season? And and the text names three places that they went. They went to Phoenicia, they went to Cyprus, they went to Antioch. Now, if we were to pull this up on a map, where these cities are located is in modern-day Syria. This is all kind of north and a little bit west of Israel. So they're outside of the borders of Israel, but notice what they're doing. They're outside of Israel, but they're still only going to the people of Israel. They're still only going to the Jews. Verse 20 says that. They spoke the word to no one except Jews. In other words, these scattered believers had changed their geography, but not their methodology. Right? There was a a new curveball coming at them. The, The persecution forced them to a new place, but they kept the same plan. Right? They missed what God was doing in their day. Now, part of the significance of these events, friends, is that what's happening in Acts 11, this is going to be deep, profound stuff, comes after Acts 9 and 10. You know that's how that works? Okay. So Acts 9, what happens in Acts 9? You might know. This guy named Saul, it says, is still breathing out murderous threats against the church. Boom. A bright light from heaven A voice, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Next thing we know, Saul has converted. He's become a Christian. He's now going by Paul. That's Acts 9. And then in Acts 10, Peter gets his vision. Peter is not having a Damascus Road experience. Peter has already been called by Jesus. He left his fishing nets three and a half years ago, right? But he gets this second vision. And this second vision is to say to him, Peter, why are you still judging people by external things? Why are you still calling things unclean that by my grace I have made clean? And so then we get to Acts 11 and Peter finds himself in a position, this is fascinating to me, a man who walked with Jesus for three years, was chosen by Jesus, finds himself in a position of having to defend why he was in the home of a Gentile, a non-Jew. See, we've always as a church, we've always as Christians had a tendency to eat our own right? Like, we, we, we tend to struggle with that. We want everybody to walk the same line. We want everybody to think like we think and vote like we vote and look what, like we look. And we struggle to, to do some of the things that God's calling us to do. So this is the context in which Acts 11 happens. And the scattered believers, as they go beyond Israel, in order to avoid controversy and to avoid criticism, most of them just continue to play by the old rules, oh, we're going to take the gospel, but we're going to only take it to people who look like us, who speak like us, only to other Jews. But verse 20, 
if you don't hear anything else tonight, if you don't hear anything else today, verse 20, but there were some. If you've got something you can write down, write that down. If you've got something watching from home where you're at, write that down. But there were some. A disruptive few who chose to take their cues from the Spirit of God, not from other people, even though those people were super important and influential. They said, no, 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 no. We're going beyond. This is the first lesson that we learned from these guys. If we're going to be about disruptive change, if we're going to lean into God's disruptive work in our day, we have to embrace new. We have to embrace new. In every season of church history, most people have tended to play it safe, but there have always been men like Martin Luther who said, here I stand, I can do no other. Or men in the last century like Martin Luther King Jr. who took their stand and led to a new way of doing things. This few, this select few, there were some and there are always some. The text tells us these are men of Cyprus and Cyrene. So in other words, they're Jewish men, but they're living outside of Israel. They're living in other places. And these men understand something that's so very important for us to get. In fact, I would say this is lesson number one for living on mission. These men understood that people didn't need to change their culture to accept Christ. They understood that Christ was not just for the Jews, that he wasn't just for a certain people. They knew that even people who lived and spoke as Greeks or Gentiles could embrace Jesus as their savior because there is only one son of God, there's only one Messiah, so he must be for them as he is for us. They knew that they did not need to reject their culture in order to receive Christ. This is what missionaries do all over the world, right? They go to a new place. You know what the first thing a missionary does? Actually, before they even get to the place, you know what they do? You can say it. They learn the language. It could take weeks, it could take months, it could take years in some cases, but first thing you do is you learn the language. And then some of those missionaries begin to also adopt the, the, the clothing or, or the musical style, right? Because those things are not moral. They're amoral, right? They're just cultural norms. And missionaries understand, if I can build a bridge from where you are to where Jesus is, I'll use anything short of sin to do it. These men from Cyprus and Cyrene were a blueprint for what it looks like to be a missionary. And by the way, they had really good biblical support. Because listen to what 1 Corinthians 9 says. 1 Corinthians 9 and verses 19 to 23, Paul speaking says this. Although I am free... I, uh, from all, I have made myself a servant to all in order that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, uh, in order that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. But I do it that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, to, the, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. See, Paul's going, man, I'll do whatever it takes to reach lost people. I'll go wherever I need to go. If I need to go outside of Israel, if I need to reach people that look different than me and speak different than me, I'm willing to do it. I'll do what it takes to bring people to the gospel. 
And verse 20 vindicates them by saying this, Acts eleven twenty one, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You guys, it is no secret that we're in a new season, right? We're literally in a new place on a new day at a new time. Everything about this is new and it's different. And I just wonder if someone were to record this season in the life of the church, what would they say about us? Would they say, but you know, in the midst of that crazy 2020 year, there were some, the people at Horizon West Church, that man, they leaned into it. They embraced what God had for them. They embraced new. They understood that the disruptive work of God was happening even in the midst of, and in some cases because of, the very challenges that they were walking through. We know uh, and have known throughout the, the year that God had given us a goal of seeing a thousand gospel conversations, right? In fact, we're, we're bringing this uh, back. You're gonna be seeing a lot more of this, our, our, our gospel conversation wall. And if you're not familiar with it, what it is is every time we have a conversation where we share our faith with somebody, we tell someone about Jesus, we have a chance to pray with someone or invite them to church, we pull a pin off the wall and, and each of those pins that is removed represents a conversation that we're having. We've, we've known this is part of what God has for us. But might I invite you to consider that God has more for us that we didn't know coming into the year. See, see, God was beyond us. He was looking ahead of us and he's got things he wants to do that are new and that are different. And if we dig our feet in the sand and go, I just don't like it. Now, I'll be honest, we don't have to like everything, right? There's a lot going on that's not great. This isn't about that. This is about understanding what Henry Blackaby taught in experiencing God. Look for where God is at work and join him in his work. Look for where God is at work. It may not be where it was. It may not be where you want it to be. But when you see God at work, dive in to the disruption. And to join God in his work, to see a great number of people brought to transform, transformational faith in Jesus, we have to be willing to embrace new. Go back to Acts 11. Let's look together at verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great people, a great number of people were added to the Lord. Now, we need to first answer this question, who, who is Barnabas? So, um, you need to know about Barnabas, that this is a guy whose given name, his birth name was actually Joseph, but he was given the name Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. You everybody know that? Does anybody learn something new today? So Barnabas means son of encouragement. The church saw this man, he was such an instigator of encouragement that they actually changed his name. He no longer went by the name that he was given. He went by this new name of Barnabas. And it also tells us that he was a native of Cyprus. This is back in Acts chapter four where we first meet him, who was living in Jerusalem. So in other words, uh, Barnabas is an islander. Can I get a shout out from the islanders? I know there's some of you out there, right? Okay, thank you. Trinis, is that a thing? Okay, I learned that today. Um, so this guy's an islander. He's an encourager. We're also gonna learn about him that he's, he's flexible. He's generous. In fact, in Acts 4, when we first meet him, he's selling a land and giving the money to the apostles to use for the advancement of the gospel. So this is, a, this is like a, a, a guy who is leading in the church. He also happens to be the same man who invites Paul to connect with the church after his conversion. He's the bridge. 
He's the one that represents Paul and says to the church, listen, the grace of God is on this guy's life, and I know he's got a bad past, but, but we gotta bring him into the fold. That's who Barnabas was, that's who Barnabas is. And because he's from Cyprus, I think it's probably part of the reason the church of Jerusalem says, hey, go check out what your homies are doing. These other guys from Cyprus, go check out what they're doing in this place called Antioch. Now, some of you come from places like I come from, a small town. I came from Sebring, Florida. And if I heard that guys in Sebring were doing something disruptive in the world, I would probably assume that it's negative, right? Like, I would probably show up and be like, all right, y'all need to settle down. I know you. I know you're kind. I know what's going on here. This is not Barnabas's posture. In fact, if Barnabas wanted to find something to discredit the work that was happening in Antioch, I promise you he could have found it. Right? Because new believers have bad theology, and they have bad habits, and they have complex problems. And oh, by the way, so do we. <laughs> right? But new Christians don't know how to hide it, so they're just kind of all out there. So Barnabas is a, is a pillar in the church. He's a mature believer. He could have shown up and said, okay, guys, y'all need to get in the fold. Y'all need to do things the right way. Y'all need to understand how we do things. He doesn't do that. This is what it says in verse 23. When Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. Don't you love that? Of all the things that could have said about Barnabas, the simple fact was when Barnabas saw God's grace on these guys' lives, he was glad. It was an encouragement to him. He was happy about it. And this brings us to our second lesson today. People who embrace God's disruptive work in their day prioritize gospel. Okay? They prioritize gospel. That's what Barnabas went to look for, and when he found it, he signed off on it. This is a good thing. Do, do you remember in, in Philippians chapter 1 when Paul's in prison, and, and he says to the people he's writing, he's writing to the Philippians, he says, I, I even learned that there are some who preach Christ out of selfish ambition, but it doesn't really matter to me because in every way Christ is pe- preached, and because of this I rejoice. He's going, I, I'm not even sure these people are coming from a good place, but the gospel's being preached, people are responding. Paul knew, Barnabas knew, that believers who lean into God's work in their day prioritize gospel. They prioritize gospel. To prioritize gospel is to accept the imperfections of other people because you believe God's grace is bigger than their imperfections. Right? Some of you need to prioritize gospel in your own life. It's one of the hardest places for it to reach, right? To prioritize gospel is to understand that your imperfections and the imperfections of those around you pale in comparison to the overwhelming grace of God in your life. Barnabas saw the grace and he said, this is a good thing. It's not perfect. It's not all as it should be or all as it will be. It's a work in process. But when he saw the grace, when he saw the gospel at work, it made him glad for that. Let me tell you something else this means for us as a church. As a church, what it means to prioritize the gospel means we're going to partner with other like-minded churches to advance the gospel. That's that's why we're able to be in a campus like this, another church meeting here tomorrow morning, because guess what? My good friend William is going to stand on this stage, and he's going to preach the gospel of Jesus. And we're going to work together. And DL at Harvest Church, who we've linked up with in the past over the summer, he's going to stand in his pulpit tomorrow morning and he's going to preach the gospel. And churches all around us from Discover to LifeBridge to Mosaic to First Baptist Winter Garden and First Baptist Windermere and so many more that are prioritizing the gospel, we're going to link arms with them. Right? 
And we're not going to let small doctrinal differences, and they're not insignificant, but we're not going to let those differences divide us. We're going to prioritize the gospel. Go back to the text one more time, verse 25. Acts 11, 25 and 26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church, and they taught a great number of people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Here's the third and final lesson today. To embrace God's disruptive work in our day means we've got to grow roots. We've got to grow roots, right? It says in verse 26 that they spent a whole year, Paul and Barnabas spent a whole year there in Antioch teaching the people. Why? Because Paul and Barnabas weren't interested in converts. They were interested in disciples, right? Jesus did not say in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, did not say, go into all the world and make converts, right? He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And to disciple someone is to help somebody become rooted, to grow roots in their faith so that what they produce in their life is the way of Jesus in their marriage, in their relationships, in their workplaces, in their community, in their neighborhoods, And Paul and Barnabas were committed to helping these believers grow gospel roots. But I want to put a spin on this because I want to give it a second meaning. Guess who else grew roots in this moment? Paul and Barnabas. Think, Think about it. They spent an entire year in a place they were not from and were not planning to be serving the Lord because that's where God had them for that season. And I don't think they woke up every day and went, man, we got to spend another day here? They didn't bide their time and go, man, when things get back to normal, we'll... No, they embraced the disruptive, they grew roots, they planted themselves where they were so that God could continue the work he had begun in Antioch. Again, this is so applicable for us, isn't it? Because we're not going to say, whether we're in person or online, we're not going to say, well, when they get back in the building or when they get a new building or when, when things are where I want them to be or where I think they should be, we're going to say, God... You've got us here. We're not biding our time. We're not waiting. The gospel's too important and too urgent for us to coast. We're going to put down roots. Whether it's several weeks, whether it's several months, we're going to put down roots. We're going to bloom where we're planted. We're going to allow God's work to continue where we are. The move of God in Antioch, I love this, was so profound that the believers there got a new nickname. You probably didn't uh, overlook that because it's kind of a big, big deal, right? This place, Antioch, this is where the believers are first called what? Christians. This is where they literally get the name Christian. A Christian, it was a derisive term. It was a mocking term. They were calling these people little Christs. And the Christians said, yeah, we'll own that. We'll, we'll, We'll take that name. We don't mind being that. It's who we are. It's who we strive to be. And so the name Christian was given to these believers at Antioch, and it happened to stick. Now, if you listen to podcasts, if you know Mike Rowe, he's got a a podcast called The Way I Heard It, or for some of our more seasoned folks, maybe Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. Let me tell you the way I heard it, or let me tell you the rest of the story about these believers in Antioch. Did you know that within a short time, the believing uh, Christians in Antioch numbered 100,000. In fact, the city of Antioch would come to be known as the cradle of Christianity by history. All because there were some 
who said, we're not gonna just stick to the old plan. We're not gonna play by the old rules. rules. The gospel is bigger. The gospel is more beautiful. We're gonna sow new seed. We're gonna embrace new. We're gonna prioritize gospel. And they brought the good news of Jesus to Antioch. And God blessed it. And 100,000 people within a short time were part of the Antioch church because there were some who were willing to go beyond what had been. Guys, I believe God is up to something here and now that could change the course of history or at least the course of someone's eternity. That, that there's gonna be ripple effect of us being in this place at this time of the week in this new season that God's gonna use to change the course of someone's life. Earlier in the service, I mentioned this gospel conversation wall. And I want to come back to it because as we think about these Acts 11 individuals, you know, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, they were willing to disrupt the, uh, the status quo to reach people. Barnabas was willing to leave Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas were willing to spend as much time as it took to be there with the believers in Antioch. And I want to ask you this question. What is God calling you to? He, we know he's calling us, but let me make it personal. What is God calling you to that's going to force you to embrace new force you to prioritize gospel, and maybe even force you to grow roots where you're at? What is it that God is leading you to in this season? One of the, um, early in, in the whole COVID season, I think it was March or April, um, I got a text. Text was from Jared Larson, one of our members who uh, I had met with, uh, he and Haley, a few months earlier. And, and Jared texted me and, and referring to the gospel conversation while Jared said, hey Chris, I got good news. He said, uh, I had a conversation with somebody at my workplace and when we get back, when we're meeting in person again, I've got a pin to pull off of that wall. Well, as many of you know and some may not, a few weeks ago, Jared came down with an illness and within a few weeks, he had passed away. In fact, that text was one of the last texts that I received from him. And what you don't know is that today would have been Jared's 34th birthday. And it was so interesting to me that Jared's words were, when we get back to meeting together, I have a pin to pull off the wall. And yet, he's not here as we gather again for the first time since March. And so I asked a couple guys from Jared's small group, Andrew and Michael, if you guys are here, y'all come up. And I've asked these guys to pull a pin off of the wall for Jared. And I, and I do this because I want you to understand the urgency. Jared was living with that sense of urgency. He didn't know that his time was short, but he knew to prioritize the gospel and to get the good news out. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.